All right. Reading from the 13th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, beginning with the 10th verse. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrite! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he had said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that He was doing. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So a couple things to say really quick. I'm going to tell you a story And it might be a little off-color, as people say. I'm not very good at figuring that kind of stuff out, but you can let Van know later this afternoon if it was off-color. That sound good? I don't really want to hear about it. But you can tell him. The DS's phone number is also in the phone book. There was a man named George. George had hit a ripe old age. And he was in pretty good health except for his bladder. Any guys, you know, y'all know what I mean? 5.30 for me. But George had reached that magic moment where he was having to get up four or five times a night to go to the bathroom. And he went to see his doctor and the doctor said, well, George, you know, it seems to me you're in absolutely just perfect health, especially for your age. He said, yeah, doc, you know, if I could just sleep all night again, that would be wonderful. And the doctor said, well, George, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. And then George said, the doctor said, but you know, doc, it's okay. There's been a little bit of a blessing in it, but I don't tell everybody this, but I'm going to tell you. He said, you know, without fail, whether it's two times a night, three times a night, or four times a night, I have to get up and go to the bathroom. When I get there, God turns the light on for me. And the doctor said, huh? And George said, yeah, man. He said, it's like every night. Two, three, even if I have to go five times a night, I can count on the Lord turning the light on for me. I don't even have to do it. 
Well, the doctor became concerned, as you might imagine. And he called George's wife the next afternoon. And he said, listen, I just want to ask you something. And I know this is going to seem odd. And, and, and he really could be having this experience. I don't know. I'm a believer too. But George says that when he goes to the bathroom, the Lord's turning the light on for him. Do you know anything about that? And she said, yeah, I do. That idiot's peeing in the refrigerator in the garage again. <laughs> is that off color? I mean, I don't know. Is it? I don't know. But, it, but listen, it, it makes a good point for us. What was wrong with George? What was wrong with George? I mean, his anticipation that God might be working in his life is a good anticipation, isn't it? Like I said last week, I expect that every last one of you is here because at some point God has made some tangible, real impression upon you that God might actually be out there for you. Is that still true? It was true whatever last time I asked you. That's why I'm here. I, I could care less about showing up, getting a paycheck. There are easier ways to make a living in the world than being a pastor, believe it or not. But... I can't lay down what I've experienced of Christ in my life, could you? So we can't fault George for thinking that God was cutting the light on for him. George's problem is vision, right? If he could have seen clearly that what was in front of him was a refrigerator and not a commode, George would have been doing much better. But he had lost his sense of vision. He had lost his sense of what was really happening in front of him. And that's exactly what has happened to that synagogue leader that's chewing Jesus out for healing a woman on the day of rest. Do you see that? He's lost his sense of vision. The day of rest was giving to a people to remember that they were in bondage. That's why it was given. A day set apart for them to remember that they were slaves under oppression. That they had been a people under the oppression of Egypt and on that day, they were to rest in celebration of their liberation from oppression. Last couple weeks, Gary's giving me a hard time about my titles. Gary's he's in the back back there. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Back. He told me when I used Pistis in the title, he didn't really like having to look the titles up in his phone. Now, I can understand that. I mean, pistis is a weird word, Greek word for faith, but I got you a good one this week, Gary. Did you read it already? You read it? Listen to it again. Who, what, when, where you bound to? Now, you might have looked at that and thought I was asking you who you were going to go visit later, right? Or what is it that you're headed toward? Or, you know... When is it that your head? What are you going to do? But that's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking there is what are you tied to that's messing with your vision? You see, this synagogue leader wasn't unlike a lot of people in his time. They had added rules on top of the law to keep themselves from breaking the law. In the Mishnah, there were some 37 to 39 additional requirements to show them how to keep from breaking the regulation that thou shalt keep the Sabbath day, a day of rest, holy to the Lord. Y'all with me? I break that every single Sunday. 
I heard a guy one time when he was preaching going off on people who were working on Sunday because it's the Sabbath. And I was thinking to myself, this guy's working and don't know it. That's the kind of place they were in. And this woman has been bound, Jesus said, for 18 years. She has been tied to something that kept her from having a full life, some people might say. Now, we don't know what her psychology was. She might have been perfectly happy. We can't say that she was put out of the synagogue because of her ailment. We can't pretend that she was being liberated from some oppressive religious movement because she was in the synagogue. And she's an older lady, so apparently she's been taken care of when she doesn't have any means to care for herself because she's like this all the time. What can she do? She needs help, right? But there she is in the synagogue worshiping. So we have to assume that this community was taking care of her. So we can't really go that route with it and talk about how Jesus liberated her from the oppression of synagogue politics or something like that. But what is really happening there is that she is bound to her own lack of being able to see the people that she loves and worships with. She's looking at the ground all the time. She can't even straighten herself up, the Greek said. She can't even do it. It's like she wasn't even able. That's pushing it even far. That's like saying that a bolt that's that's uh, bolted into a two-by-four can't even walk somewhere. It's never going to happen. It's tied down. It's, it's bolted down. It's attached to something. It can't move on. Don't you know that there are who's that you can't move on from? Have you ever felt, felt like that? Like you had somehow gotten yourself tied to somebody who was bad for you and felt like you couldn't just pry yourself loose, you couldn't move on? Have you ever felt like there was a what? in your life that had you bound up, keeping you from being free, keeping you from rest? That there was something that every time you laid your head on a pillow, it snuck into your thoughts and kept you from being able to relax enough to fall asleep? Or maybe every time you're driving down a road at night, it's the thing that fills your mind for a two-hour ride? A what? A something you did? A something that someone did to you? some sin, some malaffection, some malady in yourself that ties you to that moment and won't let you move on? Don't you know that there are people who are caught that way? That they're bound to it? That they've been living their lives in between thinking about that sin or that moment of destruction that was in their life. Winds are like that too. If you're like me, you'll have a conversation with somebody and then you'll rehearse it again for two days trying to figure out what you could have said better than anybody else. Think about something stupid you said a year ago. Wish you could fix it. Can you fix it? No. It's in the past. Can't go back. But that wind can drive a stake in the ground and tie us to it by the ankle. And we'll be held to it. And there will be no rest for us because our minds, our soul will work on it and work on it and work on it and try to solve that thing for ourselves. 
We'll try to think that we can lift ourselves out of it. We can improve our own condition. We can make ourselves right. But what's really happening is some demonic oppression has taken a hold of us and will not let go. Same thing is true for where's. Is there a place you don't like to go to because of something that happened there? Some place you don't like to drive by, some place you don't want to go to eat, some place you don't want to be in. That happens for people with churches. Something happens and they feel like they can't come back anymore. Those are, th- those are types of bondage, folks. That who, what, when, where that your English teacher gave you as ways to describe an event are descriptions of how we're bound. There will always be who's, there will always be what's, there will always be when's, there will always be where's that will attempt to bind us to them and keep us from living as a free people. And that is what's happened to this synagogue ruler. And the Lord of the Sabbath is standing in his midst, and he can't recognize him because of that. What's happening in this story is a fulfillment of what Jesus said when he went to his home church. Do you remember that? Showed up in Nazareth. They tried to throw him off a cliff after he said this. Somebody handed him the scroll of Isaiah and he read these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. You know, doesn't it sound like he could have just shortened that to say to give y'all rest? To give y'all rest. I came to give y'all rest. I've got some things printed out there so I could quote the Scriptures right, but I don't want to dig through my junk there and get it. I see it. I don't want to do that to you. But do you remember that time when Jesus said, come to me all of you who are weary and heavy burdened? And what did He say He would give you? Say it like you mean it, church. He promised us rest. And listen, not only did He promise that, but He said, take my yoke on you. He didn't mean that we're supposed to get the big yoke board off of His shoulders. You know, if, if you're not aware, a yoke was something that they put on the neck of an oxen to pull the wagon, to pull a plow, right? Well, they would strap two of them to it, and the younger one would learn from the older one. What Jesus is inviting us to do is to just put the other side of the yoke on our neck and let Him pull the load for us. Doesn't that sound good? It's rest. To be set free for rest. Now, he doesn't mean for us not to do anything. And the synagogue ruler was right. There are six days on which we should work, but the Sabbath day is a day of rest. So Jesus reminded him that even in their book of rules, it said that you could lead something from one domain to another. 
And so you lead your oxen to water on the Sabbath. Why shouldn't this woman be set free? This daughter of Abraham. A person for whom the covenant was promised. A child of Abraham. One called into the family of God. Who, what, when, where you bound to? What has hold of you? Is there something that's been clutching and clawing at you for 18 long years? 18 weeks? 18 days in the grip of the guilt of having broken God's commandments is a long time enough, isn't it? We can look at this story and see this woman that Jesus said was under satanic oppression. She had been bound by Satan for 18 years and understand that the same things that we are bound by produce the same effect in us, that we can't straighten ourselves up. And this is why the book of Hebrews tells us that the blood of Christ can even cleanse the conscience. That if we allow ourselves to come under the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and stop trying to heal ourselves or save ourselves, if we will allow Jesus to do His work in us and accept the work that He does in us, we can be free from the who, what, whens, and wheres who always seek to destroy us from way back in our past. Those things that tell us that we're not worthy of God's love. Those things that tell us that we're not worthy of God's grace. That things that tell us that we're not worthy of even our family's own love. Those things that tell us that we're not worthy of life. Jesus would tell us those voices are wrong. That that was an old slavery. And for that day, God gave you rest. Because God reached in and pulled you out of that slavery. And Jesus has come to inaugurate a new day of rest. And all through the Scriptures, that's what's promised. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews sees the coming of Jesus and His death and resurrection as the beginning of the promised rest of the people of God. The beginning of the new creation. The coming of a new heaven and a new earth. The beginning, as Peter says, when all things can be cast upon Christ because He cares for us. So who, what, when, and where has been oppressing you, dear ones? What's been holding you and tying you to the ground? What's been keeping you from moving forward in life? From living free? From loving God? From holding yourself up before God as a child of God? And knowing your own worth because Christ died for you? What is it in your own life that gnaws at your heart when your head hits the pillow? Before 
we sing this final hymn. We're going to take a couple moments in awkward silence, and everybody hates that, and I promise you I do too. But if something has entered your consciousness because of this text, or because of anything God might have said through me, will you confess it today to the Lord? Ask for His forgiveness. Ask to be set free. When Jesus saw her in the crowd, He called her to Himself. And said, woman, you are loosed. You are set free. Those same words have power for you today, dear ones. I'm about to sit down. And I'm going to lift my own who, what, when, where in prayer. And I invite you to do the same.
Dear ones, if you have made a humble confession and cried out to the Lord for mercy, then I say to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You are loosed. You are set free. So dear ones, let us stand in celebration and praise just as the people of that synagogue so many years ago and sing the theme song of a people set free from sin and death. Amazing Grace. Hymn number 378.